Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. I've been chomping at the proverbial bit to get on this program and talk to you folks, and I want to go through this. It'll take the full show to really vet through all this information, but and my thought process. I was asked. Up until election day. What do you think, Mark? What do you think? How are we going to do? And not a single case. With people bumping into me on the street. Family and friends. Other relatives. Or on this station. Behind this microphone. Did I make a prediction? I never do. Why? I want you to listen to this from November 1st, and then we're going to circle back. It lays the foundation for what I'm going to tell you I think took place. It's not going to be as simple or simplistic as some suggest as they do their analysis and beat their chests over and over and over again. But I want you to listen to this from last Tuesday on Life, on, excuse me, Levin TV. Cut one, Mr. Producer, go. Now you're hearing a lot on Fox and elsewhere, people come on and predict how many seats we're going to win in the Senate, how many seats we're going to win in the House. Do you find this helpful? I don't know why people need to predict these things. You want to predict these things, write them down and wait till after the election. Now, why do I say that? We need people to vote. We need people to have a sense of urgency. We need people to do more than they normally do on election day and before election day to get their family members, friends, colleagues, neighbors, to vote, to go through their email lists, to go through their phone lists, maybe text people, to contact people you might not normally contact, but 
who you know might need help to vote and will vote the right way. We can't rely on the Republican National Committee. We can't rely on precinct workers. You're the precinct worker. I have nothing against precinct workers. In fact, they're very important. But we have to take matters into our own hands. We did it in 2010 with the Tea Party movement. It was done last year with the parental movement in the schools and so forth. This is how the base needs to act. And even beyond the base, independents and Democrats who love this country, who can see that it's heading south, the borders are wide open, we're gutting the police force, we're gutting our military with social engineering. Everywhere you look, we're gutting women's sports. The radical left ideologues through this administration have control of the instrumentalities of government. You look at the House and the Senate, their agenda is to fundamentally alter the way we govern ourselves by eliminating the filibuster rules so they can ram through whatever they want, and it'll be almost irreversible, even with just 50 senators, if they can get away with it. And in the House, of course, all they want to do is investigate Donald Trump and try and uh, give a black eye to the Republican Party. It's going to be up to you. I have a headline here from today's Washington Examiner. Democrats lead in early and mail-in voting as more than 22 million ballots already cast. A historic record in early voting, and the Democrats are leading in early voting, 45% to 33.3%. Now, you might say, as the pollsters say, and I don't really normally care what the pollsters say, well, that's typical. Well, if it's typical, we're not going to crush them. And so, whether I'm the lone voice on this, and others will join me who have uh, radio or TV shows, it is crucially important that we stop predicting and stop talking about red waves and red tsunamis. Pray to God it happens. If it happens, we celebrate. We are thrilled. But it has to happen to happen. In other words, we have to vote. We have to organize. We have to do our thing. You know, I see things a little differently. I'm an activist. I've always been an activist. Since I was 13, I would work the, uh, the polls, not so much for the Republican Party, for the conservative candidates. And that's how I got my toe in the water when it came to politics. When I was in uh, law school, I ran for the local school board. I was 19. I had started the Committee for Tax Limitation because the Democrats had massively increased property taxes. And uh, I was involved in the Republican primary decisions. And then finally, the head of the Republican Party came to me and asked me if we could help the Republican Party. I said, as long as we can push the right agenda. And as 19 years old, I was politicking in areas that were considered solidly Republican. Um, and these were mostly Gentile areas. It was hilarious. German areas and Italian areas. They couldn't wait for Levin to show up. And then in the Jewish areas, more Democrat areas, they couldn't wait for Levin to get out. But we, we overwhelmed them. And so this is the way you do it. It's door by door. It's canvassing. It's calling. And if 100,000 of us do that, then I say we will crush them because 100,000 times 20, that's a big number and even more. So Democrats lead in early mail-in voting. Now, keep a few things in mind. The Democrat candidates in these marginal districts or who won in Republican districts are posing as moderates. Every single Democrat voted for the last massive bill that has caused incredible inflation. Every one of them. Every single Democrat voted for 87,000 new IRS agents who are going to be auditing you. Well, Mark, I don't pay income taxes. Well, they'll audit that too. Why don't you? 
I'm telling you, they're going to be knocking on your door. They're going to be sending you these scary letters. That's how it works. 87,000, they need something to do because they already have 90,000. $80 billion towards that. That's what they spent. That's what they got through at the very end because they want these police state powers to control. More information coming out how the White House and the Democrats work with the oligarchs in Silicon Valley to silence you on social media. We can't have that kind of tyrannical mentality. And yet that's what they did. As you know, and I don't even need to tell you, the border is wide open. But most of us have not been to the border. Or most of you have not been to the border. Do you know what's going on on that border? It is criminal mayhem. I mean, attractive young ladies are being raped and molested and sold into sexual slavery. The drug cartels are running the border. You can go miles and miles on that border. You won't find any border control uh, patrol because what the Biden administration has done is they've taken the border patrol off the front line. They're doing administrative work. And you have to hope that there's enough uh, uh, state police and so forth in Texas and Arizona to be manning the border. You can't have a country survive like this. No other country does this. So these are diabolical, intentional acts by the Democrat Party and their president. And so the only way you can push back is now. We are very fortunate. We have an election in a week to try and set things straight. That doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed, whether we have one house or two. The president has enormous executive powers, obviously, and he's, he can veto whatever he wants. But we've got to make the case. We've got to begin the process. We've got to start fighting inch by inch by inch for our liberty back, for our country back. And so to watch people just talk about what they predict will happen, I don't even ask guests, what do you think is going to happen? Why does it matter? They're not Nostradamus. They can look at the polls. They're not 100% sure. I can tell you what will happen in this sense. We vote in mass, we win in mass. We don't vote enough, they win in mass. That's not a good thing. In fact, it's a disastrous thing. Well, that was last week. Those of you who listen, you know, that's been my view. And I've been very critical of those brothers and sisters who are on TV talking about tsunamis and waves and Armageddon and all the rest. Now today, many of these people are acting like they never said it. The media said it too. The general corrupt media and the pollsters were saying it over and over and over again. They were wrong. I don't believe in these people. I don't believe they matter. I don't believe we should be predicting the result of elections in advance. Or Ronald Reagan would never have won two massive landslides, 1980 and 84, because he was never predicted to do that. I believe we take reality in our hands and we wrestle it to the ground. This was a lot of hype. A lot of hype from the pollsters, from the media, from Republican leaders. A lot of hype. Now I want to break this down because I think one of two things have happened. And they are complete opposites. And I don't think we're going to know until 2024. But first, the good news. We will take the House, as I said last night. There's no question about that. There's some more seats that are going to come in on the West. that They haven't been counted yet because they're not done in California and in Arizona. 
We will at least tie in the Senate. I believe strongly that Adam Laxalt will win in Nevada. Um, and uh, we'll have a runoff in Georgia. So if Herschel Walker wins there, we have our 51. If Herschel Walker does not win, it's back to 50-50. Now let me tell you what's interesting about this. So let's do some analysis, and then I'll give you my opinion. What's interesting about this is, in this election cycle, there were 34 Senate seats up. There's 34, 33, and 33 to get to 100 every two years. This was a year which 34 Senate seats were up. 14 were Democrat, 20 were Republican. So the Republicans had a big road to hoe here. It is very difficult to defend 20 seats, and they only have to defend 14, let alone take three, four, five of those Democrat seats when they have all the resources to defend those seats. We lost Pennsylvania, which was a Republican seat, for a lot of reasons I can go into later. And I believe we're going to win Nevada, which is a Democrat incumbent who will have been defeated. So it's a wash. It's a wash in the Senate. A year ago, if I told you that we'd have a wash in the Senate, that would be a good thing. Given those numbers, that out of 34 seats, the Republicans had to defend 20 if they wanted to win, they had to win some of the 14. But with all the talk of a red wave, red wave, red wave, red wave, and predictions, there were literally predictions on, on TV of 56 Senate seats we were going to get. People getting way ahead of themselves. It just seems like, like a loss. And maybe we could have done better. Maybe we could have done better. More on that in a second. I'm just giving you the numbers. In the next election cycle, in 2024, when there's a presidential election, listen to this. It flips, and even worse for the Democrats. Rather than defending 14 seats, they have to defend 23 out of 33. And the Republicans only have to defend 10. The Democrats, this cycle, needed to win Republican Senate seats to even have a chance in 2024 to hold on to a 50-50 Senate. So they are not poised well for 2024 at all. This isn't Pollyanna stuff. This is the way I, I study it. Because however the chips fall, they fall. I don't represent anybody. I, I'm not paid like these consultants on TV to say what their candidates want them to say. I haven't talked to anybody. Now let's look at the House. It's a big disappointment, right? We were supposed to win 20, 30, maybe even 47 seats. I heard our buddy Newt talk about that. I heard a lot of people talk about that. A complete blowout. But we're not going to win that many seats. But we are going to win more than we have right now. The Republicans will have the majority in the House. Those are what the numbers show. That's the math. Now, I looked at a number of these races. Do you know 
Republicans lost over 20 seats by well less than 5%. Well less than 5%. Over 20 seats by less than 5% against incumbent Democrats. Now what does that mean? All right, I'm going to explain more of this when we come back. Please book note what I've been telling you. Because I want to build on these points. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So we have about a minute in this segment, so I'm developing this for you so you can understand at least where I'm coming from. So I can't do it in three seconds. I mean, if I were a uh, talking head on TV, I could do it in two seconds. But the point is to lay out for you what's going on and then to give you what I think are the two possibilities. So the Senate numbers were heavily against the Republicans. And you're going to have, in my view, either an even Senate or the Republicans will pick up one. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not predicting. That's what it looks like. And in the House, the Republicans lost a ton of seats against incumbent Democrats by less than 5% of the vote. And they still will have the majority in the House. We were told there would be a big red wave. Told by whom? Pollsters? TV hosts? Raving lunatics, just yelling and screaming. Uh, something we wanted to hear. But you don't know until there's an election. So people are very, very disappointed. I'm not done. Stick with me. We have a break, and I'll be right back. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad 
that as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. On top of this, you look at Florida. Florida was a slaughter. Absolute slaughter by every measurement. Republicans against Democrats. Here you have a governor, DeSantis, who won by the skin of his teeth four years ago. Then he has the biggest landslide victory. He wins by 20 points over Christ. Rubio wins by 15 or 16, helped in part, I'm sure, by DeSantis's massive victory. We pick up four Republican seats in the state of Florida. He wins Miami-Dade, a longtime Democrat county, heavy Hispanic, by 11%. He wins Palm Beach, for God's sakes, filled with Many people, including liberal socialists. Now you know why Biden and Joe Scarborough and the others, all cheap suits, why they attacked somebody like DeSantis. They fear him. Massive victory. You look at New York, Lee Zeldin. That was a very close race. Zeldin got 40 7.2% of the vote against Hochul's 52.8%, and the Democrats way outnumber the Republicans. And Zeldin, who was a fantastic candidate, pulled a number of Republicans to victory in New York. Incumbent Democrats lost, including the head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So the Democrat governor gets less than 53% of the vote. Zeldin is a star. He's got a great future. Stacey Abrams has lost again. Beto O'Rourke has lost now three times. Val Demings, who they were counting on, who Biden seriously thought about being as a running mate, crushed by Rubio. Just a, a huge inroad into Hispanic voters in Florida and in around the rest of the country. Around the rest of the country. So what's going on here? What happened to this red wave? Is it a good day? Is it a bad day? What kind of day is this? Well, I was watching the results with my wife, Julie. We were kind of down. We bought all this stuff about the red wave. And we didn't have a red wave. We had a close race where the Republicans took the House and likely tie or win by one margin, one seat in the Senate. 
We had pundits telling us, I think it was Ari Fleischer, almost 56 seats he thought in the Senate. And in the House, we had people tell 47 seats in the House. Well, we didn't come close to that. Did we? So people were drawing the wrong conclusion, weren't they? But here's the key to me. I look at these House races we lost against incumbent Democrats. Well over 20 by less than 5%. They were incumbents. They won by less than 5%. Some of them in fairly blue areas. You think the Democrats are nervous about that next round? You think Chuck Schumer's worried about the Senate next time? I'll tell you what I think happened. One of the options, one's very sunny, one's very dark. I think the so-called experts, which aren't really experts, and analysts, I think they were off one election cycle. I think we damn well could have a red wave, but not in 2022. In 2024. Another two years of Biden. I think it's absolutely possible. That they were just. Too early. Now why do I say that? For not, not only for the reasons I said. Because Florida could be the point of the spear. Florida could be the point of the spear. The blowout in Florida. The blowout in parts of New York. Think about it. Or is Florida an anomaly? Because of demographic changes, is Florida an anomaly? Not the point of a spear of anything. In which case, the alternative scenario in my mind is we have such deep culture rot, it's virtually impossible to climb out of this hole. That people are voting against their best interests. People are voting against their families. People are voting against their morality. People are voting against their faith. Because the Democrat Party has has challenged and attacked all of it. And they make no bones about it. That we're outnumbered in too many areas. That 120 years of so-called progressivism, a.k.a. American Marxism, has succeeded. And this is the poison that results from it. That people are willing to vote. Vote. To sabotage their own lives. Because they hope, they believe in the ideology that's being spewed to them. That the culture rot is so deep that we're not just looking into the abyss, we are in the abyss and we can't climb out. I'm leaning heavily against that scenario. Time will tell. Oh, I think... We're in the abyss, and I think we're dealing with American Marxism. But I don't think this last election seals the deal. 
I really don't. Just think about it. The pollsters said X. They were wrong. The hosts and pundits on TV regurgitated. The endless pre-election coverage. They don't really have much to cover, so they just keep asking pollsters what they think. They keep asking candidates what they think. They keep asking other politicians what they think. And one reinforces the other, right? And so it becomes a... A fact, even though it's not. It was never a fact that there would be a red wave. We hoped there would, right? We thought there might be, given the conditions in the country. We saw the polls. And yet, many of you are sober enough, I think I am, not to be sucked into all this. This is Washington stuff and New York stuff. So I think the media, including the conservative media, did you a grave disservice by the constant drumbeat about a red wave and a red tsunami. I think the Republican Party, in many ways, did exactly the same thing. The RNC and others. So now we have people who are suggesting fixes fixes when they were wrong in the first place but they have the fixes and what are the fixes Mark Thiessen who I have great respect for who's an old Bush guy and by the way there were a lot of Bush guys on TV last night telling us what to do one of the questions I would have asked them where's your former boss why isn't he out there campaigning and there he is Chris Christie the Cape May Orca suddenly he he shows his face Trashing the Republicans. Where was he during the campaign? How come he wasn't out there? Because these guys are opportunists. They don't have any support anywhere for anything. So now we have the anti-MAGA people out there saying it's Trump's fault. Most of them are the Bushies who were on TV last night. Then we have... Some of the MAGA people who are trashing each other, shockingly. And then we have the establishment Republican, led by Mitch McConnell and his ilk, who are attacking everybody, just as they did in the massive red wave in 2010 when the Tea Party rose up. We won a couple of Senate seats, but Mitch McConnell blamed the Tea Party movement for not winning all of them. And so they have their list ready, Bullduck in New Hampshire. Bullduck in New Hampshire was a long shot, folks, particularly after Mitch McConnell cut off $5.9 million to him and gave it to Murkowski in New Hampshire. And he was running against an incumbent. It wasn't an open seat. Or Blake Masters, who I didn't even support in the primary, but I strongly supported in the general and still do. McConnell didn't give him a penny. The situation in Pennsylvania is truly unique. You had a guy there who should never even be running for the Senate, runs for the Senate, but he won't debate until late October, and Pennsylvania is the longest early voting. Fifty damn days, almost two months. But they wait towards the end, so people can't even see the guy. That's not good. 
Dixon in Michigan, fantastic candidate, MAGA candidate. She came close. She got no support from the establishment. We don't know what's going to happen with Lake and Masters, ultimately. We'll see what happens. But they don't talk about their own losses. Look at this guy O'Day in Colorado. They called that election within three minutes. New kind of Republican. A guy who walks on both sides of the street. Well, that didn't work, McConnell. Look in Alaska. Shabaka is leading Lisa Murkowski. But because of the system they set up in Alaska, she could well lose because whoever doesn't get, if they don't get to 50%, they count the number two ballot. And that is what McConnell and Murkowski are betting on. McConnell and Carl Rove spent millions to try and destroy Bulldog in the Republican primary in New Hampshire. They beat him up very, very badly. He went into the general election limping. He went into the general election limping. They did exactly the same thing with Shabaka. And they've done this to other candidates across the country. The Republican establishment complains about first Tea Party candidates some years ago, now MAGA candidates, they're too extreme. But they make it incredibly difficult for these candidates, the vast majority of whom are citizen candidates, to survive the primaries or to win the general. And then they point to them and say, look at the bad candidate. Well, if the establishment Republicans are so great, why don't they ever win anything? Romney wouldn't even endorse Mike Lee, who won by a big number, and I told him he would. There's no complaints about Romney tonight. Romney wouldn't even endorse his colleague from Utah. No complaints there. I'm going to say something that may disturb some of you, but some of you I think will understand. There's a huge difference between a McConnell and a McCarthy. McConnell is evil. McConnell would walk over his grandmother for power. That is all he cares about. McCarthy, say what you will, he backed all the candidates. He wasn't taking money from one to give it to another unless it was obvious they weren't going to win. And he recruited many good candidates. He's not at war with MAGA. He's not at war with conservatives. He may not be one of you, but he's none of those, you know, those, uh, those, those saboteurs. McConnell's a saboteur. And then he has his people on TV spinning for him. You can tell who they are immediately. And one of the things I regret, these after-election commentator desks, whatever the network is, They have people from Washington and New York for the most part. People who are former politicians or current political operatives and consultants who get paid. They never have anybody from the rest of the country. Where's the guy from Detroit? Where's the guy from Chicago? Where's the guy from you name it? There's nobody there representing us. They keep talking about us and what we want and what we did and how we should do it or what we should do, but we're not there. 
I'll be right back. Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark, I think you're going too easy on the Republican. I'm not going easy or hard on anybody. I said, we'll know in two years if it's cultural rot and if we have a huge problem here. On the other hand, I'm looking at at facts. At absolute facts. I've been around a long time. It's funny to watch the media talk about a red trickle when it was the same media that we're talking about a red tsunami. Where do all these consultants get this information from? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. So we'll see what happens. We'll know in two years. It won't matter then, but we'll know in two years. And it is true that Masters could still win that Senate race. There's no question about it. George Bush, Chris Christie, Larry Hogan, they all sat on the sidelines. Now they seek to exploit this to blame other people, and then they come to the rescue, you see. Oh, yes, they're going to come to the rescue, don't you know? I'm not done analyzing this. I'm not done analyzing this. Should it have been a red wave? Would have been nice. So what went wrong if there was supposed to be a red wave? Seriously, I'm asking, what went wrong? We had all the issues. We have the most imbecilic president in modern history. No, in ever, ever, all history. The Democrats are on the wrong side of every issue. Could it be that all the candidates were poor candidates? Could it be that Donald Trump poisoned the whole election? No. So you got to think it through. You got to put the static out of your head, all the phony experts out of your head, and think it through. I think it's one or the other, as I explained. I'll be back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. We'll need to look at these numbers when we have better numbers at some point. But one person mentioned to me that that she believes a lot of these establishment Republicans when they lost to these more conservative or MAGA candidates in the primaries, they decided not to support them. She might be onto something there. I mean, I'll give you some examples of very prominent Republicans who did that. When you look at Larry Hogan in Maryland, he refused to endorse the Republican-nominated candidate for governor who won the Republican primary. Because that candidate was backed by Trump. Now, why did he do that? He wanted a Democrat to win in a Democrat state. Does anybody think DeSantis would do anything like that? He did that because he has built his entire legacy on being an anti-Trumper. A bipartisan Republican. Center, center, left. And he wants to run for president. By the way, there's 4,000 votes separating Carrie Lake from Hobbs. We'll see how that goes. We'll know more later. Arizona's like Pennsylvania, crazy with the voting. Look at Chris Christie. Chris Christie didn't campaign to help anybody who needed help. They keep talking about we need to unite. They mean just like the Democrats. We have to unite behind them. And the reason is Chris Christie has no support outside of his own base in New Jersey. And even there, I don't think he can elect anything in New Jersey these days. But he's back on TV commenting about something he wouldn't even participate in. That is a Republican election. George W. Bush is hanging out on his ranch. Checking in with his buddy Carl and his other staffers from the White House days. Hating on conservatives. Loving his dear friends, the Obamas, Michelle. Widely embraced now by the social circles that used to hate his guts. How many people did he campaign for other than Lynn Cheney in the Republican primary? I don't know of any, do you? Jeb Bush? I don't know of any, do you? I'm just asking. And so this this person I know might be onto something. They may well be onto something. There's a piece at PJ Media that says What's all this hating on Trump about losing seats for us? How did he lose seats for us? Well, look at the people who were nominated. Okay, that doesn't mean that the others would have won. At all. I see, Mr. Producer, people are picking up on my point about 2024. Rush used to call his show an echo chamber. Well, I've inherited it. Finally, the same pundits that don't know their ass from a you-know-what. They're finally learning something. 
And what about the Democrats? What did they get out of this election? Well, Joe Biden got out of this election that he is a mandate and that he may well run for re-election. I think the latter is a good thing if he runs for re-election. I really do. He says today, my intentions are to run. I'll be 112. That's okay by me. Let him run. He says he's not going to do anything different in the next two years. Mr. Producer, let's get cut 18 ready, please. He's not going to do anything different in the next two years, ladies and gentlemen. Cut 18, go. You mentioned that uh, Americans are frustrated. and In fact, 75% of voters say the country is heading into the wrong direction despite the results of last night. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing, because they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. Do you know anybody who wants us to get rid of the change we made on prescription drug prices and raise prices me, again? Me, and first of all, they haven't, even, let's say, they haven't even kicked in place until 2026. This guy, he's hung up on uh, killing babies with abortion and prescription drugs. I thought that was his son's problem. So you have that. And so he hasn't learned anything. So that's a good thing in many respects. And what the Republicans can do is block so much of what the Democrats would have otherwise done in the House. Uh, And that's very important. The star was uh, DeSantis. There's no question about it. He's presidential material. There's no question about it. I made a statement last night that I want to reiterate today. Was it last night? No, it was the night before, actually. Monday night. I hear behind this microphone, for what it's worth, it may be worth nothing to many of you. Although if you're listening, it's probably worth something. I am not going to abide attacks on Ron DeSantis, personal attacks on this guy. By anybody. He's not just a rising star. He's a star. This is a man who's capable of doing great things for this country. Whatever he decides to do or however he decides to do it. So beating the hell out of him and dragging him down. I will come to his defense. Just as I've come to Trump's defense. When the Stasi comes after him in such unjust and outrageous ways, or when the media do. But it's a little different this time. Nobody is coronated to anything. Nobody. And this isn't an attack on anybody either. I'm just making it abundantly clear. I'm watching this Marjorie, whatever her name is, Green. What is her, Taylor Green? She's threatening Ron DeSantis. You know what, Marjorie Taylor Green? Stick it. Stick it. I don't even know who you are. I know you represent a district in Georgia. Big deal. Big deal. DeSantis has transformed the state of Florida. DeSantis has demonstrated 
how you put conservative principles into play and how they work, even with viruses, even with hurricanes, even with massive population growth, people coming in from all over the world and all over the country. That's somebody who we celebrate, not degrade and smear. Period. And that's like this effort now by the people who hate Trump to blame Trump on this election. It's bizarre. The presumption is if we only had run more Romney types, if we only had run more Murkowski types, if we only had run more Collins types, we would have won more seats. No, we wouldn't have. And we won several of these seats, by the way. We won several. Look at J.D. Vance. I think Vaxalt's going to pull it off. And, uh, and many others. Ron Johnson has spent years trying to get to the bottom of what they've been doing to Trump and what the FBI's been doing, and he just won re-election in an extremely difficult state of Wisconsin. The guy's unbelievable. He squeezes through these elections. It's his third win. He was a citizen candidate. A citizen candidate. You look at Dixon in Michigan. She's fantastic. She came very close. And plus, of course, we have the media against us. That's a given. But DeSantis is the star. And he has, to quote Barack Obama, fundamentally changed, fundamentally transformed Florida. They won every statewide office the first time since Reconstruction. Four Republican seats. School board seats. More school board seats. Solid Democrat counties. Miami-Dade, now the mayor down there is trying to take credit. Trust me, pal, you had nothing to do with it. And Palm Beach? These are areas Republicans never win. Ever. About 60% of the Hispanic vote, Cubans, yes. Venezuelans, yes. Puerto Ricans, yes. And many others. As I've said here many, many times, people don't understand when we say Hispanic or Latino. If you're from Puerto Rico, you're not from El Salvador. If you're from El Salvador, you're not from Panama. If you're from Panama, you're not from Cuba. It's not a broad brush, but that said, 60%, close to 60%. We're making inroads into the Democrat Party's base. And by the way, not just Florida, although that's an exceptional example, all over the country. And now my final point. The Bushies, the Republican establishment, the McConnells, want to return to the days of country club republicanism, where they stand for nothing. Mitch McConnell must be toppled. He must be toppled as the Republican leader in the Senate. We're going to be monitoring this. Josh Hawley announced he will not vote for him. 
I'm calling on other Republican senators. Our friend Ted Cruz. Our friend Mike Lee. Our friend Rand Paul. Our friend Tim Scott. Our friend Lindsey Graham. You want to be leaders of the Republican Party? It's time for new blood. It's time for somebody who's more articulate, who's more principled, who understands what we're up against. Not a Washington insider. And I can see that the McConnell wing of the media, and he's worked the media for decades, typically the Bushies, the Cheneys, that crowd, are already out there singing his praises for all the money he spent. Well, it depends where you look. And, of course, McConnell's trying to take out Rick Scott now. Because Rick Scott is a challenge to him. It's a problem. You're not allowed to challenge Mitch McConnell. You're not allowed to disagree with Mitch McConnell. McConnell has to go as the Republican leader in the Senate. He must go. Because he doesn't represent So many of the people in the Republican Party. He represents the Chris Christie, Larry Hogan, George Bush wing of the Republican Party, which is, for all intents and purposes, dead. They have nothing to offer. By the way, I watched this guy, Sununu, from New Hampshire. What's he, 12 years old, Mr. Producer? Hey, everybody. Hey. (laughs) And he's having a blast. And he's laughing. I saw him on, uh, what was it? Cavuto. Yeah, yeah. Knows the, he knows everything. This guy obviously got elected because he's fantastic, not because he's a Sununu. Well, yeah, and you know what else? And we have these extreme and radical candidates. <laughs> we were running against extreme and radical candidates. We are running against out-of-the-closet Marxists in some case. In Georgia. He may not be aware of that being up in New Hampshire. In Wisconsin. In Pennsylvania, out of the closet Marxists, our candidates were far superior to their candidates. All of them. All of them. So why did Mitch McConnell cut the money off from Bulldog in New Hampshire? I can tell you why. His guy Steve Law told everybody why, because McConnell didn't like him. Didn't like the things he said. Why did he cut the money off, never give one penny to Blake Masters in Arizona? Because he insisted that the billionaire Peter Thiel fund that campaign. He wanted to get Murkowski reelected. That's a Republican leader? They say they believe in democracy. Well, these are the nominees of the Republican Party. And Chewbacca was the nominee, backed by the Republican Party in Alaska. And McConnell spent $9 million, and Rove did, character assassinating that woman to try and get Murkowski through. And this is what they did in the primary to Bullduck. They beat them up, they trashed them with our money, with Republican donor money. And then they go to the general election, they're handicapped, and say, see that? It's Trump's fault. Not that Trump's perfect, please. Don't get me wrong. But the great star is, uh, it's, just, it's just true, is Ron DeSantis right now. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values, and I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50 percent off your first month again puretalk.com and in our promo code levin podcast i think the republican governors is where you see the uh the at least short-term future of the republican party there's a lot of fantastic governors. I'll tell you, Yunkin in Virginia is a great governor. And there are many others across the country. I like Christy Noem. I think she's great. People take shots. They're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Zeldin, even though he didn't win the governorship, I think that guy's got a great future. I mean, I think these solid Republican governors, and I don't consider Hogan and Baker and Christie those sorts of governors, no, these guys that have actually changed their states and have changed their assemblies, that is, their state senates and their state house, and have really changed the direction of their state, not just manages Republicans, Democrat states. That's not what DeSantis has done. It's not what Yunkin's doing. It's not what several of these other Republican governors are doing. They're trying to fundamentally alter their states in a way that brings in a majority of, uh, of, of policies that promote liberty, whether it's the classroom or taxes or what have you. And I think that's very, very important. I just think our governors are head over heels over their governors on the Democrat side. And uh, I think this is a strong area for the Republican Party. If the Republican Party reverts to McConnellism or if Kevin McCarthy isn't solid and he reverts to Bainerism or Ryanism uh, then the Republicans will be slaughtered then the Republicans will be slaughtered that kind of leadership is no leadership at all I'll be right back there's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. 
I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. One of the things I'm concerned about, folks, and I have friends in this business again who are quite timid. The idea that if we take the House, we're not going to conduct a full phalanx of investigations of this administration will so infuriate me, I'm going to turn on the Republican Party. This is what I mean. They better not get cold feet. They better not get cold feet and turn into the Gerald Ford Republican Party. I'm not going to tolerate that. I've spent too much of my life fighting these people. They need to embrace their base. And by embracing their base, they will succeed the way Ron DeSantis has succeeded. Embrace your base. Now, it's unheard of, my buddy Brian Kilmeade says, and he is my buddy, the idea that we would impeach Biden, you know, that's just the wrong way to go. This amazes me. Whether he's impeached or not, it just amazes me. That's immediately taken off the table. But when it comes to Trump, they're talking about impeaching him even before he's elected, even before he's sworn in as president. So we take it off the table. This is what I mean about, from my perspective, the absolutely wrong strategy and mentality. The only way you get Democrats to stop acting like mobsters is to give them exactly the same treatment. I know it from my own experience serving in the Department of Justice under Ronald Reagan. If you don't use the rules against them the way they use the rules against us, you can't win. You will always lose. How is it that the January 6th committee is a winner for them? Well, Mark, nobody paid attention. They do pay attention. Trump's impeached twice for nothing. You think they're going to leave a DeSantis alone if he's president? You've got to teach them a lesson. You've got to push back. They're the bully. You let a bully hit you, they'll keep hitting you. What do you do with a bully? You hit him right between the eyes. They're going to leave Nancy Pelosi alone? These people have no self-respect. If it turns out the Republican Party is going to use Marcus of Queensbury rules while the Democrat Party fights as if they're in the UFC round, no. In the cage, I meant. No. Count me out. They should proudly investigate the Manchurian president and the crime family. They should proudly investigate what the Stasi's up to with Meritless Garland and how they're destroying federal law enforcement. They should proudly investigate the Department of Homeland Security, which is the Department of Homeland Insecurity, and their failure to secure the border. 
They should be gathering texts and emails and documents, attorney-client privilege communications, and demonstrate to the Democrat Party that they've created precedents that will now be used by the Republicans. And get smart about how they market these things as the anti-corruption party. I don't want to hear anymore. Whether it's impeachment, whether it's whatever it is, that it's off the table. No, no, don't they know any better than that? I can't do that. I don't want to hear this Chris Christie crap. And that's the truth. Ron DeSantis last night. Cut to Mr. Producer, go. We chose facts over fear. We chose education over indoctrination. We chose law and order over rioting and disorder. Florida was a refuge of sanity when the world went mad. We stood as a citadel of freedom for people across this country and indeed across the world. We faced attacks. We took the hits. We weathered the storms. But we stood our ground. We did not back down. We had the conviction to guide us and we had the courage to lead. We made promises. We made promises to the people of Florida and we have delivered on those promises. And so today, after four years, the people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. Now that is a leader. And now I want you to hear Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina, who is the, uh, the love child of the media in the aggregate. The media love her because she's a flake. She's a flake. She's a Republican from South Carolina. Cut nine, go. And I really hope that, you know, when we get into the next legislative term, we look at what is going to bring our nation together. We are so divided right now. Political violence is real. The divisiveness is real. And I want to see us work together on issues that matter, like inflation, like the supply chain, figuring out how we protect women's rights and the right to life. How do we do that together? This is why the press loves her. She's a sucker. They love Republicans like this, who won't fight back, who won't push back. Let me tell you something, Nancy Mace. The Democrats created the inflation. The Democrats are trying to destroy this republic. The Republicans are not violent. Right to life is not a federal issue, because what you really mean is abortion, because the Democrats want abortion on demand. All you have to do is listen to some of their surrogates in the media. This is what they keep demanding. And this apparently is what all the women demand, according to them, because they would know. It's a state issue now. That's what it is. Go ahead. Run it again. Democrats on a number of issues. I passed a lot of bills working together, and my door is open. And I'm willing to work with anyone who's willing to work with us. Wow, aren't you great? Have you heard any Democrats say that? 
This is another difference between Democrats and Republicans. The Democrats march in line. Every now and then one of them has to say something like Stanberger to pretend to be a moderate, but they vote 100% behind their leader, Nancy Pelosi. Doesn't matter. Then they lie. Then they have surrogates and our, even our media who say, oh, isn't that Stanberger great? But that's not the case. She's ready to sell out right out of the box. So she'll undermine her fellow Republicans in order to be seen as somebody who reaches across the aisle. We've never had such a radical Democrat party. Never. And yet it's as radical as can be. And she wants to reach across the aisle. Will she reach across the aisle with semi-fascists and mega super matter mega Trumpists? Of course. And that's the problem. You've got a lot of Republicans like that who hate the base. Absolutely hate the Republican base, the conservative base. Now, the Democrats are losing the Hispanic base. This is a good thing. And uh, listen to this discussion. Cut 14, Mr. Producer, with Chuck Todd, Jose Diabarac, who won his race, and, of course, Andrea Mitchell. What a mess. Cut 14, go. I had a Democratic consultant say to me, I'm tired. We got to stop putting Latinos in a box and trying to like treat them as African-Americans, that, that, that there's one issue that will somehow unite, that Latino voters are, are just what Jose said, stop trying to single them out. Instead, whatever you're pitching swing voters, pitch that to Latino voters, that demographics, and just like the same thing, how we carve up the white vote in those different buckets, but, that's how you would, the Latino vote is no different. But don't ignore them. I mean, uh, a recent Naleo poll shows that 44% of Latinos didn't get any outreach or information from either political party. 44%. And, and they've been turning more, truly turning more Republican. But it's also, I've seen voters interviewed who are Latino voters in Texas and other places who are praising the busing of migrants. They're, they're as concerned about the immigration crisis as anyone else is, but often because they feel that the pressure of this kind of immigration is not something that they can live with either. The humanitarian crisis at the border strikes so deep and it affects so many people in so many different ways that uh, every single person feels it very differently. There's a lot of there, but for the grace of God, go I. Really? Well, notice they don't mention the person who's responsible for the policies on that border. What's that all about? Not a word the unconscionable inhumanity that has been unleashed by the Biden administration. Not a word. By Schmuck Todd, by Andrea, I have a name for her, but I will keep it to myself. Andrea Mitchell, nothing. I'll be right back. Mark There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data 
Just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. You know, the loss that uh, I feel the worst about, and I feel bad about all of them, please, is uh, Lee Zeldin. Really, and, and I would say Mehmet Oz, too. I've gotten to know him. He's really a decent, solid guy. Those two, I think those are the two that hurt the most, at least to me. What do you think, Mr. Producer? You agree? Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. Future, future might be here. One never knows. You know, we're borrowing uh, my buddy uh, Dan Bongino's producer, Jim. Jim, you've done a very good job there, brother. Uh, yeah, we do work together, folks, from time to time, you know, as necessary. All right, so we've talked about this for two hours now. Let me just say one other thing. I had mentioned to you that all this could be for naught, that maybe we just have flat-out culture rot and there's no way to reverse course. That there's too many of them and not enough of us. And God knows they've been working on that. And God knows they've succeeded. I'm just not ready to go there yet. We'll know in two years. I'm not ready to go there yet. Please don't get me wrong. There is an urgency of the moment where we need to confront these people and defeat them, whether it's in the classroom or the board, whatever it is. We have to do whatever we have to do, and that's exactly why I'm telling you the Republicans are going to take the House. They might take the Senate. And either way, the biggest problem they're going to have, as they've had in the past, is with me if they don't hold the line. I told you that, John Boehner... Drink in one hand, pot in the other. Supposedly wrote this book, but it has his name on it in any event. He used to get along, he said. I used to get along with Rush. I used to get along with Hannity. I used to get along with all the talk radio guys until this crazy guy Levin came along. Not a crazy guy. I've been an activist in the conservative movement since I was very young. And I know fakes and frauds and phonies when I see them. I am not going to sell out my lifelong principles and sell out my audience for, uh, for politicians who aren't going to fight for our country. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what party's hat they wear. I don't care what uniform they've got on. It doesn't matter to me. It just doesn't matter. 
And so, we are going to hold their feet to the fire. And yes, I hear these people, hosts, radio hosts, TV hosts, they really don't know a lot, but I don't know. We can't do that. No, 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 no. The public, they don't speak for me. Do they speak for you? The same host. Red wave, red wave. Where'd you get that from? Wow. And of course, a very close person to me says, well, look at all these redistricted areas here. We should have won those seats. Well, we did win a lot of them. We didn't win all of them. But we won a lot of them. And again, you're talking about incumbents. You're talking about incumbents. And you want to know how we win a lot of these seats in the future? Govern like conservatives. Govern like conservatives. I don't understand the, the disconnect here. I don't understand why we, we embrace the frauds and the phonies and the rhinos and so forth. Which president got the two biggest votes in modern American history? Which one was it? Ronald Reagan. Conservative. Massive popular votes. Massive electoral college. Which governor just got the biggest wipeout of any governor in modern times? Ron DeSantis. How? Follow the conservative road. A conservative brick road. Being a conservative and governing as a conservative actually works. I'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's 
here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, years ago today. You know what happened? 84 years ago today. This is probably the only place you'll hear this. Kristallnacht. Ever hear of Kristallnacht? I wonder if... Kanye West has ever heard of Kristallnacht. As the history.com site points out, from November 9 to November 10th, 1938. In fact, I wonder if James Clyburn is familiar with Kristallnacht since he likes to throw around the Third Reich. I wonder if he said anything about it today. I wonder if he said anything. By the way, has democracy, quote-unquote, ended today? Just curious. From November 9 to November 10, 1938, in an incident known as Kristallnacht, Nazis in Germany torched synagogues, vandalized Jewish homes, schools, and businesses, and murdered close to 100 Jews. The aftermath of Kristallnacht, or Crystal Night, or the Night of the Broken Glass, some 30,000 Jewish men were arrested and sent to Nazi concentration camps. And thus started the Holocaust. German Jews have been subjected to repressive policies since 1933 when the Nazi party leader Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. However, prior to Kristallnacht, these Nazi policies had been primarily nonviolent. After Kristallnacht, Conditions for German Jews grew increasingly worse. Soon after Hitler became Germany's chancellor in January 1933, he began instituting policies that isolated German Jews and subjected them to persecution. Among other things, the Nazis, which espoused extreme German nationalism and anti-Semitism, commanded that all Jewish businesses be boycotted. Sound familiar? Boycott, divest. And all Jews be dismissed from civil service posts. In May 1933, the writings of Jewish and other, quote, un-German, unquote, authors were burned in a communal ceremony at Berlin's Opera House. Within two years, some German businesses were publicly announcing that they no longer service Jews. The Nuremberg Laws, passed in September 1935, decreed that only Aryans could be full German citizens. And it became illegal for Aryans and Jews to marry or have extramarital affairs. Despite the repressive nature of these policies, through most of 1938, the harassment of Jews was primarily nonviolent. But on the night of November 9th, 84 years ago today, all that changed dramatically. In the fall of 1938, Herschel Ginspen, a 17-year-old Polish Jew who had been living in France for several years, learned that the Nazis had exiled his parents to Poland from Hanover, Germany, where Herschel had been born and his family lived for years. 
As retaliation, on November 7, 1938, the agitated teenager shot Ernst von Roth, a German diplomat in Paris. Roth died two days later from his wounds, and Hitler attended his funeral. Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi minister for public enlightenment, quote-unquote, and of course propaganda, immediately seized on the assassination of Ryle Hitler's supporters into an anti-Semitic frenzy. Kristallnacht was the result of that rage. Starting in the late hours of November 9 and continuing into the next day, Nazi mobs, SS troops, and ordinary citizens torched or otherwise vandalized hundreds of synagogues throughout Germany and damaged, if not completely destroyed, thousands of Jewish homes, schools, businesses, hospitals, and cemeteries. Nearly 100 Jews were murdered during the violence that day. Nazi officials ordered German police officers and firemen to do nothing. As the riots raged and buildings burned, although firefighters were allowed to extinguish blazes that threatened Aryan-owned property. After Kristallnacht, the streets and sidewalks of Jewish communities were littered with broken glass from vandalized buildings, giving rise to the names Kristallnacht or Night of the Broken Glass. The Nazis held the German-Jewish community responsible for the damage that was done to them and imposed a collective fine of $400 million in 1938 rates. Additionally, more than 30,000 Jewish men were arrested and sent to Dachau, Buchenwald, and other concentration camps in Germany, camps that were specially constructed to hold Jews, homosexuals, political prisoners, and other perceived enemies of the Nazi state. On November 15, 1938, Franklin Roosevelt responded to Kristallnacht by reading a statement to the media in which he harshly denounced the rising tide of anti-Semitism and violence in Germany, and he recalled his ambassador, Hugh Wilson. Nonetheless, the United States refused to ease the immigration restrictions it then held in place, constraints that prevented Jews, German Jews, from seeking safety in America. One reason was anxiety over the possibility that Nazi infiltrators would be encouraged to legally settle in America. A more obscured reason was the anti-Semitic views held by various officials in the U.S. State Department under Franklin Roosevelt. One such administrator was Breckenridge Long, Breckenridge Long, who was responsible for carrying out policies relating to immigration. Long took an obstructionist role in granting visas to European Jews and maintained this policy even when America entered World War II after the 1941 Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Now, the violence of Kristallnacht served notice to Jews worldwide that Nazi anti-Semitism was not a temporary predicament. It would only intensify. As a result, (coughs) many Jews began to plan an escape from their native land. Excuse me, cholera. Kristallnacht marked a turning point toward more violent and repressive treatment of Jews by the Nazis. By the end of 1938, Jews were prohibited from schools and most public places in Germany, and conditions only worsened from there. And during World War II, the Nazis implemented their so-called final solution of what they referred to as the Jewish problem. 
and carried out the systematic execution of 6 million European Jews, what became known as the Holocaust. So it's, it's considered, Kristallnacht, the beginning of the end of those 6 million Jews 84 years ago today. Which has been mentioned by me, and I doubt it'll be mentioned by most. James Clyburn says this, and much worse, will be caused if the Republicans win an election. Well, technically, we just won one. Not by a lot. Wasn't a red wave. So Clyburn is a pathological liar. Barack Obama and Joe Biden said, if the Republicans win, we will lose our democracy, and they're not kidding. Well, we didn't win big. We won small. But today is Wednesday. Is it the end of our democracy? That is, our constitutional republic? No, they lie through their teeth. Joe Biden said the Republicans practice voter suppression. In black areas and key states with key elections, turnout in a midterm, that is an off-year election, has been record-breaking. Democrats lie through their teeth. What's happened now, because Kristallnacht was 84 years ago, it's not taught in our schools. It's not mentioned by most families, even Jewish families. It's not discussed widely. People seem to lose touch with what was Nazism in the Third Reich and Hitler. Because if they knew more, they would be truly disgusted by the use of these terms and words when describing Republicans or Donald Trump. Truly. I'll be right back. You know, folks, it's still possible to win Masters in Arizona. I don't know if we will. I'm saying it's possible. And then uh, Laxalt in Nevada. And then that's 51 Republicans. So I just wanted to point that out. Let's take a couple of calls. I know you folks have been wanting to jump in, so let's jump in. Let's go to Andrea, Orange, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for taking the call. I just wanted your opinion. Um, I just wanted your opinion regarding the election. What I'm wondering is how much of a factor do you think it was that that, um, DeSantis cleaned up the voting rules in Florida, like he got rid of that um, official in Miami-Dade a couple of years ago who was very mm-hmm. corrupt, apparently, and everything. So he cleaned it up. He, he enforces the rule. So if he finds any voter fraud, he prosecutes it. So I think that that's a in, huge in factor. In fact, to the more to your point, he's even created a uh, election integrity 
criminal investigative unit. I mean, that is specifically focused on that. And and I think, so when, how do you account for the fact that it was such a huge swing from Hillary Clinton in 2016 winning Miami-Dade by 30 points or something like that to all of a sudden, six years later, the Republican... Okay, what do you mean all of a sudden? Because the Avenue governor... Uh, you know, when you have freedom and prosperity and law and order, when you have those three, it attracts people. That's why. And Latinos are, as a group, and I'm generalizing, but as a group, a religious people uh, who work hard. And so uh, this is something that people have been saying for a long time, that we should be appealing to the Latino or Hispanic community in this regard. And a lot of these people have escaped communism. You have people in Miami-Dade who are Cuban, who are Venezuelan. They've escaped communism. And they don't like what the Democrats are doing. And they do like what Ron DeSantis is doing. So Ron DeSantis made it abundantly clear what he stands for. They don't like teaching little kids, their kids, in classroom about sex and sexuality. And are you a boy and are you a girl? You know, double-check your genitalia. It may not be right. You know, that sort of thing. And he's outlawed that. So there's a lot of things he's done that cut across politics, that cut across all ethnic groups. You don't see people like a Larry Hogan or people like that doing that sort of thing, these wimp good-for-nothing Republicans. And so it can make a big difference. And what Republicans around the country should do, including in Washington, D.C., is take the guy's lead. Just like they should have taken Reagan's lead. And when it comes to Donald Trump's presidency, it was a fantastic presidency. Look at all the policies he got in place. Thank me for your call. God bless us. Let's continue. Kathy, South Bend, Indiana. Ooh, that sounds like where Buttigieg is from. On the Mark Levin app, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, yes. St. Joe County is the home to our great transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. By the way, may I ask you a question? Do you think Pete Buttigieg knows how to change a tire? Uh Oh, He's the transportation secretary. City employees did that for him. <clears throat> you think he knows how to change his oil? I'm calling to let... <laughs> I mean, again, he's the transportation secretary. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, he rides a bike. Yes, that's true. That's all right. Um, um, well, here in St. Joe County, no Republican has ever been elected county clerk. In St. Joe County, no Republican has ever been elected to the county assessor's office. The Republicans have never held a majority on the county council until Tuesday. In addition, no Republican U.S. congressman serving our district, Indiana 2, which is the late Jackie Walorski's district, ever won St. Joe County until Tuesday when Jackie's successor won it in a landslide. Beautiful. Red waves are happening all over. They're small red waves, Mm -hmm. but a lot of red waves like this really demoralize Democrats on the ro- local level and can grow to tsunamis. Very, very good. And um, that council you're talking about, where, 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 ex- Buttigieg was mayor of what? 
South Bend. He was mayor of South, South Bend. Bend. That council. That's, that's the biggest city in yeah. Central County. Okay. And he goes from there to wanting to be president of the United States. Don't you think that's kind of weird? <laughs> We're just happy he's gone. Yeah, well, thanks. All right, Kathy, take care of yourself. Let us continue, shall we? Frank Hudson, New York, XM Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Hey, you know, I, I got to agree with you. That Zeldin loss was, uh, it was a killer. But we flipped some good seats in the Hudson oh, Valley. So I'm, I'm happy about that. That rid of Maloney. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. We, got, we, we had a good candidate, Schmidt, uh, in Ulster County, but we just couldn't get him over the finish line. We tried yeah. right back, though. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so real quick, my, you know, you made a lot of good points tonight. My, uh, the one thing I would add is, and it's a huge concern, I think the Republicans, right, we've dropped the ball on education for decades, and now we're starting to reap what we've sowed, right? I've, I've seen some data today that says under 30 turned out in droves for the Democrats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm concerned, right? These kids are getting brainwashed, and, and it's up to the parents, the conservative parents, the Republican parents, to sit down with your kids every night at the dinner table and have that conversation. I literally think they're trying now. I think we saw this start in Loudoun County, Virginia, spread in Virginia, spread across the country. There really are a lot of fantastic uh, parents groups, uh, mothers groups, and they're networking and they're showing up at school board meetings. I think we're way behind, but I think people are alerted to this and that they're moving quickly as best they can. You know, the thing about the Democrats is they have paid revolutionaries, right? We don't have paid revolutionaries. We have parents and taxpayers and so forth. Uh, but I do think, at least in that area, and I also agree with you, for decades this was ignored. And I know that for a fact, because I used to run a legal foundation that fought for school choice all over the country and actually succeeded in getting it constitutionalized, and uh, which makes it available now, and whoever wants to apply it. It, the idea came from Milton Friedman half a century ago, and um, it's called Landmark Legal Foundation, run by the great Pete Hutchison, the Institute for Justice. So there have been some of us fighting for this, but now I think it has spread. And that's largely thanks to Trump, by the way. This was one of his priorities, school choice. And it's an important issue. It's a big issue. Thanks for your call, Frank. We'll be right back. You notice how giddy the media are, how celebratory they are? They're so excited. They ran to CVS and all the drugstores to get all their depends. You see, they're wetting themselves. They're so excited. Over there at Meet the Depressed with Schmuck Todd. Oh, he was very excited. All across the corrupt media platforms. And they all knew the immediate answer. Donald Trump. Do they realize how much they're despised by the American people? They don't care, of course. They're very wealthy. They live in their own stupid little bubbles. They all vote Democrat. They're all Democrats. Or worse. Although it's hard to be worse these days. And then we get their analysts coming out. They call this news. Don't you dare call us the enemy of the people. That's like the Nazis. 
But there they are. They're very, they're very excited. Have you noticed? And by the way, did you notice Biden today? He actually was completing sentences. It was the most damnable thing. But John Fetterman, he'll be joining the Senate. He will be the Joe Biden of the Senate, ladies and gentlemen, mumbling, grumbling, bumping into the walls, you know, shaking hands with nobody, asking people where the men's room is, although his name is Fetter Woman. Remember that? So you have to go to the ladies' room. He's going to fight for the people of Pennsylvania. Great job there. So I'm watching all these news analysts and commentators and so forth after the election. Very few of them making any sense whatsoever. Some of the big-time experts are getting it wrong by the minute. By the minute. Many of them are rhinos, bushies, if you will. And there's like a conga line of these people. Where are they all coming from? Now, I was invited on at least three TV shows tonight, Mr. Producer. I said, if people want to hear what I have to say, why not listen to the radio show? Three hours. And so I've given you my thoughts. We'll appear on a few shows this week. I don't want to overdo it, but as you can see, my, my analysis differs from most of them. And most of the people who were calling for a red wave, a red tsunami, they couldn't, they, they couldn't get the word Armageddon. It's Armageddon. Oh, my God. It's the second coming. And today it was, well, it doesn't have to be a red wave, not a tsunami. It's okay. Uh, you were pushing misinformation. And all the pollsters are out there. And then we have people, we're going to take 56 seats in the Senate. Oh, I can feel it. Well, let's bet on that one. No, I can feel it. And the, and the victory by the Republicans in the House is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. And this is why your hopes were so high. Pretty much. You're not into the weeds. Ah, they redistrict Ernie Grabonsky and the Sally Nancy's there. No, no. You're listening and you're getting excited. You see your buddies at the, at the, at the diner, at the golf course. At work, you're going, hey, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you? I was getting this all the time. What's your prediction? I, that one I don't get. It's my prediction. Why do you care? I can predict we're going to win 4 billion seats. Why does it matter? I don't know. Because people want to feel good about it. So when it doesn't happen, you feel like uh, shingles. And then people keep pushing the narrative. Well, we should have won it. I, the reason we didn't is... You know, so I've given you my view that I think this prediction of a red wave was one election cycle too early. And I think Florida is the point of the spear. But the alternative is very bad. If that's not correct, then I think we have a culture rot that is so deep it will be difficult to claw our way out of it. Because when people are voting against their own best interests, because they're being told by the ruling class that has put them in this position that they must vote against their own best interests. What are you going to choose, democracy or eating? 
Oh, I like to eat now and then. See that? You racist, white supremacist pig. By the way, uh, pass the uh, donuts, would you? Oh, okay. I think we'll take some more calls. Let's do it, shall we? Let's go to Michelle, Leesburg, Florida. The great WXJB, you were a poll watcher. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Mark? Good. So you're watching polls. Were you watching any Irish and Germans and Jews, too? <laughs> Just curious. Well, my husband, my husband, uh, they, their family used to be Polish, but then uh, yes, yes. they gave Poland back to itself from Germany. But, so anyway, here's yes. the deal. we were there yesterday. Poll watchers took the training um, up and went there. And per statute in Florida, uh, there's allowed to be one poll watcher in each room for each candidate as well as each party. So my husband and I show up. The clerk there said, no, no, only one. She tried to kick us out and put, tried to put us, you know, outside and all of this and that. And it was, of course, raining with the hurricane coming. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we called our contact, very well trained. He talked to the uh, the supervisor of county elections there in Lake County. And Alan Hayes actually ended up showing up to make things better for us. It was amazing. Florida is just like you say, the, the freest place in the world. And, it's the uh, best run state also, in the high, in the entire country. I mean, it really is. It's so easy to get things done. Now, that doesn't mean you don't run into red tape. Nothing's perfect. It's not Disneyland, after all. Anyway, uh, which is very imperfect. Yes, Michelle, what else took place? One, one fellow got um, turned away. You know, you have to have voter ID here of some sort. So with your How dare you? And... Um, I know it. And so anyway, a couple showed up, a white couple, and the man had forgotten his wallet at home. And the deputy, you know, the, the woman was allowed to go in. It was a woman deputy who are appointed by the uh, sheriffs. And he, she said, no, you have to go sit down. And I know he can file a provisional ballot. So it's important for people to know your rights. So he just sat there. I told the clerk. She went and talked to him. He denied wanting to get one. But I think he'd been emasculated by that point, like so many men are. And um, it, it was just really interesting. I'm glad I stood up for that guy, you know. Remind me to stay out of your precinct, will you? <laughs> no, All right, no, Michelle. You're, you're welcome anytime. Thanks, Mark. God bless you, my friend. Leesburg, Florida, not to be confused with Leesburg, Virginia. And as I speak to you, ladies and gentlemen, we have a home on the east coast of Florida that is ground zero for this hurricane. Even though it's only a one, it's supposed to be more than usual rain and flooding. Now, my problem is it's relatively close to the ocean. So if we have a five-foot surge, it's going to slam into the back of the house. I don't have the foggiest idea what's going on there because nobody's around there. Now, the state of Florida, at least when we built this home, they said you are required to build your home to 170 mile an hour winds. So I said to my builder, this is about a decade ago, the state of Florida is not building my home. I am. I want to build it to 210 mile an hour winds. Now, this is for my wife. She always enjoys this story. We have 66 pilings under the house. You believe that, Mr. Producer? All steel and cement. And they had to drill down to the hard rock. 66 pilings under the house. The walls are 8 inches thick. The floors are 8 inches thick. 
steel, and cement. Their roof has a commercial roof because I said I want to build like a pillbox. I want to build, you know, like an underground garage parking place. That's how strong I want this thing to be. There's not a stick of wood on the outside of this house. Everything is stainless steel. The stainless steel studs, the stainless steel screws. Right, honey? Talking to my wife. We even have 16 pilings under the damn pool. So it doesn't float away. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be damaged. But have you ever seen a window that can withstand 210-mile-an-hour wind? You couldn't shoot a 40 caliber bullet through that window. They're effectively bulletproof. And in order to put in wall uh, windows and doors like that, you have to do the framing. It took multiple men. May I say men? I think I did. Multiple men to put in the windows and the doors. So I guess we're going to see how strong this house is. Now, here's the thing. After about 20 or 30 minutes, when you have horizontal rain and horizontal ocean salt water, at some point, the seals around the window begin to give in. Doesn't mean you're going to lose the window, but it means water can seep into the house. But I said, I only want to build this thing once. I can't afford to build it twice. And God knows what happens to all the landscape and all the rest. So this, it's been on my mind, but there's not a damn thing I can do about it. That's for sure. People are saying, what do we care? What, what, what's your, pr-? and you know the weird thing? And it's weird, I admit it. When you're in the zone of a hurricane, Mr. Producer, you know what you pray for? That it moves north and doesn't hit you. And when you're praying that it moves north and doesn't hit you, that means it hits somebody else, right? But that's kind of what you're saying, I think, when you say, please don't hit me. Hit them up there. And trust me when I tell you, I'm voicing to you what people are thinking. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, early on, <clears throat> when I did uh, Levin TV, it was maybe in the second year, I'm in my seventh year. I had two guests once, two congressmen I really liked a lot. One was named Ron DeSantis, and the other one was named Lee Zeldin, and I interviewed the two of them. And they were fantastic. Look at them now. Just terrific. Just terrific. And we have our man Donalds from... Uh, from Florida too. I saw him on some clip where he's at a press event. I said, whoa, that guy is good. And he's out there too. We, uh, we think the world of him and he was reelected out of the uh, Naples area and that, that metropolitan area. He's just terrific. Byron. Have you heard? I already did this, didn't I, Mr. Producer? You mean I'm done? Holy mackerel! Let's take another call, shall we? Yes, we shall. Jim, Fargo, North Dakota, the flag, WZFG, go. Yes, uh, you're you're having your love for Mitch McConnell, like I do. Yeah, no, you're being sarcastic, and I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. He'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. 
Which, All right, sir. Very... In other words, he'd rather have power than uh, than really be helpful to the country. I, I think there's something to that. The guy is power hungry. He will not let go. He should let go. His time is uh, is long behind him. And he's he's also a very nasty guy. Very nasty guy. Thank you for your call, North Dakota. Let's go to our buddy Ivan, Miramar, Florida, the Mark Levin app. Ivan, how are you, sir? I'm doing I'm do, not, not so good, Mark, but uh, I'm, I'm doing better when I talk to you, Mark. Hey, Mark, listen, I, I, yeah. I, found, a, a gym, I found a gym that I think you, you would love. Uh, James Brown put out a single a long time ago. You'd never heard of it before. It's called America Is My Home. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good little song. I think you'd like it. Hey, hey, I'll Mark, check that out. You know, yeah. I yeah, thought what, you what, said Jim there for G-Y-M. There's no Jim that I would like. Trust me. No, G-E-M. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, you know, what's frustrating is every two years we have the same discussions about mm-hmm. the cheating, about the stop. Generally, generally, we don't do well when the counting stops. You know, when the counting stops, it usually always I, I don't goes, think goes there's forever. a lot of accusations of cheating right now. We're waiting for Arizona, which is becoming a joke. And uh, one or two of these other states. And they do need to get their act together, but we must not nationalize these elections. But there's simple things to do. Florida can do it. Some of the other states can do it. All the states can do it. But you know what it is? Some of the states don't want to do it. The Democrats don't want to do it. I'd like, like, like to see them do two simple things real quick. If, if you decide to vote by mail... It is the voters' responsibility to ensure that their ballots are received on time, just like you pay your bill. Your bill has to be there on time. It seems to me that that would be a convention of states issue, election integrity. And the other thing I'd like to see Republican governors do is that is you, you audit automatically the t- top two voting districts, Republican and Democrat, within your state. We need a forensic analysis. All right, Ivan, i got to run, brother. Thank you for your call. Ivan escaped Maryland, Larry Hogan's paradise, and went down to Florida. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers. Thank you very much. All of you great patriots, God bless you. And I will see you tomorrow. Jimbo, who sat in for man Rich, and Richie, call screener. Thank you guys, too. See you tomorrow. <laughs>